Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the second season of Star Trek Picard. This was a 10-episode season following off from the first season where it didn't leave off because, man, things inexplicably changed between seasons. Yes. And I think they established about an 18-month period had happened. Which is not enough time for several of the changes. Oh, yeah, not at all. Elnor graduating from Starfleet Academy when he hadn't even joined it doesn't make any sense. Picard going from a admiral who was kind of, I don't want to say in disgrace, but you know what I mean, not Not in wanted, good standing. Not in good standing. Suddenly he's now running the academy? Yeah. Uh, things like that. Rios has a ship. He's captain of a Starfleet ship. Well, the La Serena is now a Starfleet ship. No. Oh, no. you're right, you're right. It wasn't. It was another one. It's, yeah, Rios had rejoined Starfleet apparently and gotten to become captain of a ship. He was captain of the Stargazer. Uh, you're right, the Stargazer. And... Rafi had gotten the Excalibur? She she wasn't captain, but she was an officer on it, and that's how she got an Elnor as a cadet onto it. Yeah, things where they'd left off at the end of the first season, Picard had become an android, and the crew was, you know, gathered on the La Serena, and they were flying off for new adventures. Yeah. And we come back, and they're scattered across the cosmos, not having adventures together, the fact that Picard is synthetic now really is almost never addressed at all. No, never is. Well, and at one point, they acted like Agnes was the synthetic. I don't think they meant to. No, but I, I, I didn't take it that way, but I know you did when she was interacting with the Borg Queen. They attached a USB port to her neck. A Borg thread, vine, cable, whatever, struck out and hit her. And we had seen similar things happen. No, I'm not talking about that point. I'm talking before that when she said, I need to get into the Borg Queen who's trapped within her own mind. Oh, right, right, right. The cable comes out. And she pulled one of La Serena's cables. And yeah, that made no sense. And jacked into her own neck. Yeah. Well, and with the La Serena, we had five hologram versions of Christos Rios before. Mm Mm-hmm. We see one of them in passing this time, Mm -hmm. but we find out later in the alternate timeline, and there's no reason to think the La Serena couldn't do it in the quote-unquote real one, it is constantly scanning people so it can turn them into holograms. Yes. Which makes no sense and is just kind of creepy because they wind up with a hologram Elnor at one point. And that hologram Elnor can impart his... Would have been dying thoughts. Yes. Scanning up until the moment of death, which is just creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I had very mixed feelings on the season. On one hand, parts of it I really did enjoy. Mm-hmm. I thought some of it was good. I thought if this had been like the first season of Picard and there wasn't the, oh, this is where they'd left off. Because again, the disconnect was very jarring. It was. Dropping the synthetics plotline entirely, both in terms of there's no fallout from first season. 
Picard being a synthetic is mentioned, but just in passing. He's had a full body transplant kind of joke. Well, and I'm positronically glad to see you. Yeah. And Soji, one of the androids from before, is seen in passing to acknowledge she still exists, but that's it. Well, and she's kind of an ambassador for the synthetics now. Well, she goes from, I'm going to go travel, to now she's an ambassador for the Federation, even though synthetics were outlawed 18 months prior. Well, they, at the end of last season, synthetics were no longer outlawed. So she's now the ambassador of synthetics to all other worlds, seemingly. In the span of 18 months. Yes, I agree. It was very strange. Yeah, again, a lot of plot lines from the first season were just dropped. Elnor and his whole past and lost causes thing never even really mentioned. But he kept his absolute candor. But did they ever use the term absolute candor? Once or twice, early okay. on. Because he, Rafi basically said that uh, she got him put onto her ship because his absolute candor could really get him into trouble. Yes, that's fair. You're right, they did. But he got the short end of the script this season. He really did. But when you're adding in Q, the Borg Queen, riffing off of the whole Gary Seven stuff from the original series, which I thought they did reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Tossing in some time travel to a period that Trek has gone to before, mm -hmm. because the Bell Riots happen within a year of, of this time frame, and that's stuff that happened in Deep Space Nine. So there was some stuff where I thought it was, was good, was interesting, but when you crash the La Serena in France, just off the, the vineyard for Picard, yet they're spending most of their time in LA, it's like, man, couldn't you have parked closer? And there they, wasn't even a joke about that, and there so should have been. Thank God for transporters. And when ours went down, thank God we encountered a friendly alien in this time who would let us use hers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm still working on the Borgified special ops guys who are trapped in the walls for all time of the vineyard, the chateau. Yeah, because that happened in the past and should still be there, and the fact that wasn't even addressed. There was a... a a spot for that to be addressed when Rios was saying he was accounting for all of the future tech and all the, the potential butterflies. Mm -hmm. you know, and not mentioning the, what about the guys in the wall? Yeah. I would have laughed so hard if he said I found a way to spackle over them. I mean, it would have been the kind of a glib Rios line. Yeah. Of kind of, you know, that's not literally what he means, but it would have addressed the, he found a way to cover them up somehow. Or the, oh, nobody will notice. Except that we know from all the flashbacks that as a kid, Picard played down there. Will have played down yes. there. Because again, time travel. Yes. In a place that his father told him what, there were a thousand ways to die? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Borg is one of them. Yeah. Now, when we first see his father, because we get a ton of flashbacks and we see him in what turns out, I guess, to be a flashback, but was seeming like a dream sequence, or maybe it was a dream sequence that was doubling as a flashback when they were in Picard's mind. It's a coma sequence. Coma sequence because you can go into the coma using alien tech into somebody who you don't necessarily realize is a synthetic life form, but okay. Right, but we start in the coma. And then, so we're, we're joining Picard mid-coma. Yeah. And then somebody else comes into his coma to try and pull him out of it. We well, did CPR on a synthetic. Yes. Because, yeah, when we see his father through all of the machinations of that, it basically is seeming like Picard is having a required therapy session 
with what I thought at first was Dr. Bashir. Me too. Yeah. But it turns out it was James Callis who played Baltar on Battle the Revised Battlestar Galactica. He played one of the characters in 12 Monkeys, the mm-hmm. TV show. He's been in a few other things. He was on the um, archaeology. Blood treasure. and Treasure. There you go. Yeah. He was good on that. Great actor and did mm-hmm. a great job here. But when you put him in an outfit that looked, that, well, it's blue medical, you know. Uh, put him in Bashir's wardrobe. Yeah. Put him in Bashir's environment. Give him Bashir's dialogue. And they've got a close enough accent. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's identical, but I'm saying no. it looked enough like, and again, I haven't seen Bashir since Deep Space Nine. Yeah. We haven't gone through those reruns. Well, I mean, we haven't seen him age up either. True. Yeah. Whereas we've seen older versions of a lot of these characters and such. The most recent thing I've seen the actor in, Alexander Siddig, which is one of the names he's gone mm-hmm. by, he's changed his name a time or two, or maybe a time, was Primeval. Oh, I'd forgotten he He did was in that. one of the later seasons of that. At some point, we need to do episodes on Primeval. We do. It's one of the better time travel shows. Yeah. With a bit of a bump in the night, monsters everywhere sort of thing. But again, I, I went through an entire episode thinking, wow, you know, that, that was a really interesting thing to bring Bashir in. Why didn't they call him by name? And I see the credit and it's like, James Kellis. Oh, it wasn't Bashir. Well, we went through three quarters of an episode thinking it was Bashir until we get a wardrobe change and a reveal that, oh, wait, that's dad. Did we get it that episode or We the got next? it within that episode. Okay, okay, I'm misremembering then. Yeah, because by the time we got it, we were both going, so is the actor who played Bashir filling in for Dad mm. because his memory's messed up? Or is this a different actor and our eyes are playing tricks? And that's why we watched the end credits. Well, in either way, it doesn't really go with what we had seen of Picard's parents from Next Gen. There's also no mention of his brother. Well, there is a mention of his brother early on if he's off at school or something. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Robert is is really never mentioned by name or has any meaningful presence in in this season is surprising. It is, yes. And Q is used quite a bit, and I feel the setup of it was a little forced. I liked him looking young but then aging up. That was funny. But then kind of goes against the he's dying aspect. Why hadn't he kind of aged up? They could have said it had been a billion years for him or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt we got the payoff for it at the end and it was well done. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things I liked about the season. While there were some ups and downs and a few things that I think they either could have skipped or done a little faster or spent a little more time on, I felt the payoff at the end of the season had its moments. I think we had some really nice twists on the Borg and some good payoff there too. We got a lot more of the Borg Queen early on than I was expecting. Yeah. The whole setup for why Picard got into space and pulled into the story and stuff is around the Borg. And the fact that we start with a scene in the first episode and it takes, what, 40, 50 minutes into that episode to circle back to it. Yeah. And then we circle back to it again at the end of the season. With a different understanding. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. And... There were a few things they did at the end with the shield harmonics and a few things that it's like, yeah, I don't think it should work that way, but Technobabble, blah, blah, yeah, set up potentially the next season's threat or whatever, at least vaguely. Yeah. Was interesting. I don't know that I would have spent so much of the season if I were writing it in the near present day. 
I think they put it in the too near present day. That's what, a year or two out. That was my problem. Yeah. A manned flight to Europa two years from now. Yeah. Well, that and spending most of an episode dealing with Rios accidentally getting, not accidentally, but getting taken by ice and them having to mm-hmm. break him out and all of that. And they're veering from the, you know, don't make any waves, don't don't leave any, you know, yes. crush any butterflies or whatever to the, eh, let's flip the bus over if we need to almost. I mean, not literally in yeah. that case, but car chases and later when they're fighting the, the Borgified mercenaries and stuff, body count doesn't matter. Yes, I agree. And that disturbed me. And no sense of, of ramifications, even if it had just been a line at the end of Q saying, there are a few things to clean up. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I budgeted my energy for that sort of a thing. Or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Again, it had some enjoyable moments. It just felt so different than the first season. Totally. Yeah. And in some ways good, in some ways bad, in some ways just, was it the same writing crew for both seasons? I find it hard to believe if it was. There was no sense of the Romulan... Yeah. The Romulan evacuation from Romulan space and stuff. No fallout from that whatsoever. Yeah. No fallout from Starfleet having brushed it under the rug and and all that kind of a stuff. Well, and the concept of Picard being in a relationship with the Romulan was kind of a, that'd be no big deal. Mm -hmm. Going back to, we're just 18 months after the people don't want Romulans in Federation space. Yeah. Now, one of the other things that I get why they did it, but it didn't totally work for me, was when in the first episode, Picard goes to visit Guinan. Mm. And I love seeing Guinan. Yes. Whoopi Goldberg did a great job. Nice to see her back. She is running a place at 10 Forward Avenue. 10 Forward. Oh, wow. How funny. No, not really. Yeah. And then when we get into this alternate timeline, they're back in time and he goes to find Guinan. And she's at this point played by a different actress. Well, he doesn't know he's going to find Guinan. He's given coordinates he's to go to. He's given coordinates to go to, realizes he's there. And then, ah, that must be why I'm here. Fair enough. You're right. You're right. And I think the other actress did a great job with the role, too. Yes. Yes. And I get not being able to get Whoopi Goldberg for more than really the scene in the first episode and then a corresponding scene in the final episode that were probably shot at the same time. Yes, I think so. And um, if not, they should have been, you know, kind of Well, and she rocked those scenes, totally. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Guinan is one of those standout characters Mm -hmm. from Trek. And it's one of those characters where if a writer doesn't understand and appreciate Guinan, it's a total flop. But the ones who get Guinan, it's amazing. There's an opportunity for either an anthology novel or a series of novels to center around Guinan over the centuries. Mm -hmm. They've now got this whole 10 forward location on Earth. That somehow goes as far back as today, Mm -hmm. yet goes 20 years beyond next gen, 30 years beyond next gen. Yet, who was running the bar when she was off on the Enterprise? I'm sure she was able to find someone to cover shifts. It boggles the mind is all I'm saying. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of story opportunity to be had there. The the slow burn on the Borg Queen taking over... Agnes and stuff, and and where they went with that, it kind of worked. But Agnes was my least favorite character 
yeah. of the show. I'll agree with that. Didn't care for her first season. Ending on a romance with Rios that just had fizzled out by the time we pick up here. Like they thought, oh, well, we're not going to go there. Again, yeah. did they change the writers? Yeah. So that was kind of interesting in terms of, again, inconsistent direction. Bringing Brett Spiner back, always a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. He was in about half the episodes, probably a little more, but there was some where he wasn't in that much, others he was in quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Playing a totally different character, another one of the same family line. And in this case, they leave it off with a, a hint that his project he was doing was the one that led to Khan of Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And that it may still go down that path. Well, that's the only path he has left to him. The rest of his research got toasted. Well, toasted or is off traveling. And then having his cloned daughter, essentially, played by the actress who played Data's android daughter to a degree Mm -hmm. last season was interesting. Again, Mm -hmm. genes run strong in that line, whether they're real or synthetic. And then her, her arc this season wasn't major or whatever, but it was, it was meaningful and significant. And where they left the character yeah. was very interesting. I don't know if we want to necessarily spoil that for people who haven't watched or not. I don't want to full out spoil, but I do want to say they left her with an open door to her own series. They definitely, I think, left it where if that doesn't get picked up in a series of novels, I will be disappointed. And I think there's somebody that would be very interesting who has not written Star Trek novels before to at least plot and co-write that, if not full author it. Because there's somebody who's done some other books, just not Trek ones. Uh, but definitely it, it felt like a expansion of the franchise in terms of new stories to tell, and in a way that ties nicely into mm-hmm. the backstory and uh, existing narrative universe they've got for Trek. Yeah. And that was one that I had heard you know, speculation of, oh, are they going to go this way or not? And it's like, yeah, okay, somebody just needed fodder for an article, and it's as, as good as anything. And it was not a bad article, not great. And then when I saw the the finale play out and that scene was happening in terms of, okay, they are going to go in a, a certain direction, it's like, wow, that was, I thought, a fun way to go. It was, yeah. It, it served as a end note for this plot line here with a there can be more elsewhere. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's 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 fun when they do that. And there are a couple of characters that we wind up with this season at the end, not really available for next season. Yeah. And a couple, it's like, yeah, I was kind of figuring the way they'd set stuff up early on, that's how they were going to go with with like the Rios plot line and a few things there. And I almost would have been disappointed if they'd gone anywhere else. Yes. But I don't know where they expect to go third season other than they've established a threat at the end, well, really as far back as the beginning of the second season, but really clarified at the end of the second season, that has to get dealt with next season. But does it? Because we've assigned a gatekeeper to keep an eye on it, and that's a dang powerful gatekeeper that could be totally separate from whatever we choose to do. True, but if they don't deal with it in Picard, where would they deal with it? And they need to deal with it. To, To set something like that up and then just not address it. I agree. Now granted, you could address it in Discovery, what, 800 years later? I just sometimes wonder if the writers see things the same way we as viewers see them. At times, I am certain they do not. But to me, effectively spending a season building this up in some way, shape, or form 
even if what you've built up is more the defense than the antagonist, you've got to, that's got to be next season. But do they feel they built up the threat or do they feel they built up the surprising ally? Uh, They totally built up the surprising ally, but the excuse for the ally is the threat. Mm. So if you set the ally up because of the threat and then don't deal with the threat, why do we go through all of this? Because we wanted to give you a season of TV. Well, and that's that's fine and good, and it was not a bad season of TV, but we spent a lot more time at Picard's Chateau or whatever than I would have expected for a uh, Star Trek. Yeah, I agree. And I, I totally agree with you. I want the threat dealt with. It's just, I don't see why we would bring back the next-gen cast, which is what's been announced for season three, well, and it's to funny. deal with that. Because the only thing that really set them up in this season was the music cues in the finale. Yeah. There was no mention of really anyone else from the Enterprise. We did not even mention Beverly Crusher when we were talking about Picard's failed love life. We didn't even mention Data this season. Yeah. So, I mean, we got, I'm trying to think if we even got the word Enterprise mentioned in the scenes with Guinan. I mean, we got the Stargazer mentioned quite a bit. We set Mm -hmm. foot on a new Stargazer, which was kind of fun and cool. Yeah. And I thought there were some good moments there and whatnot. But there are times where I wonder how much of Trek have some of these people watched. And because like when we see Picard meeting Guinan for the first time yet again, Mm -hmm. there's the argument of, well, they were in the Confederation timeline, which was a more aggressive organization than the Federation. So you would not have had the Times Arrow episode for Picard to go back in time to meet Guinan, therefore they hadn't met before, whatever. But Guinan's supposed to be aware of time manipulation and stuff. So even if they hadn't met, she would have recognized him because they hadn't met and they should have met sort of a thing. Yeah, exactly. So I felt there was a, a missed opportunity there. Mm-hmm. And it, it, again, it makes me wonder how much of the backstory of, of Trek have they uh, – availed themselves of or do i just have a very different take on it than they do or how much of it do they feel responsible to and how i get not referencing everything from all the books the comics the video games but to me the tv shows and the movies are the core canon well but i guess my point is do they feel i've started a new timeline therefore i am not responsible to even allude to knowing the other timeline happened. All right, first off, precedent for that is the Abrams series of of Star Trek movies, Mm. where they definitely started a new timeline, yet have acknowledged and harkened back to the original one in just about every movie. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so there, they've already set the precedent of it. And also, I get we're in a different timeline. We haven't hit the the break point, though. Mm -hmm. So at this point, everything should be continuity, even if it's... Clearly, they didn't think so. See, that's what kept tripping me up. If we haven't hit the point where the timeline diverges, Mm -hmm. then why has the past already been affected? Well, part of it for that is time travel. If you're on a path that you've gotten to from the divergent timeline, you're in its past, which is, again, the fact that the Enterprise from the future of today, but the past of Picard hadn't gone back to meet the Guinan of Mark Twain's era. Mm-hmm. But know? it goes back to your comment of Guinan should have felt something was wrong when she saw Picard. And that's the thing. Even if the timeline is different, what you have established about Guinan mm-hmm. 
which is very similar to what they had established somewhere, I guess, with the Borg Queen, mm-hmm. which is how she knew things, etc. You know, if it's if if it holds true for the Borg Queen, it absolutely ought to hold true for Guinan. Yeah, since that's her whole reason for being. And again, we had seen that in I'm trying to remember which episode or which movie, but they yeah. established it. Yeah, no, I remember. I think it was uh, yesterday's Enterprise, maybe. I forget when it was, but I remember where, it happening. Where we wind up with Yar back, and Guinan's like, this isn't right. Yeah. So there are certain things that if you establish them as, as multi-universal constants, you got to hang on to that. Yeah. And I get not having continuity be something that, that restrains and limits the writing, but if it doesn't put rails around it, anything can go, and then what's the point? But it feels like it should empower the writing. It absolutely could have. There's so many things they could have done based on them being in the past that Deep Space Nine had been to. If they just set this a little further or, you know, addressed the Bell Riots or, you know, a few other things, not as major plot points, but as, you know, fodder for for people to speculate on or for other stories to go deal with or, you know. Mm -hmm. You've got to recognize that Star Trek is unlike a lot of other narrative universes in terms of it's been around over 50 years yeah through multiple tv shows movies well series of movies i mean it's had more movies than most major franchises have had mm-hmm. really once you get past james bond and the marvel cinematic universe i'd be hard pressed to name any other movie franchise larger than star trek because mm-hmm. it's got what 12 movies yeah but then you've got to count whether you acknowledge them as, as continuity and i don't think you should all the comics, all the books, all the video games. Yeah. This is something that has a momentum behind it. And again, you don't need to be beholden to all of it, but the core continuity from the TV shows and the movies that, yeah, maybe everybody hasn't seen, but enough people have. Yeah. And again, if you're just discarding that willy-nilly, why are we watching another TV show? And this show sums that up so beautifully in so much as how much I felt it had already discarded its first season. Yeah. More happened in the proverbial 18 months between the two 10-episode seasons than arguably happened in each of the two 10-episode seasons. Mm-hmm. And it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. But it was entertaining. Yeah, it was. And if we can get a more next-gen style season three Picard, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't think that's what they said they set out to do with Picard. I think it's exactly what they said they were not going to do with Picard. Yeah. But man, I'd love to see LaForge back. We saw Riker and Troy last season for an episode. Love to see them back. So, I mean, if we can get a few other characters here and there, I'd love to see Miles O'Brien. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a, a mainstay of, of Star Trek for so long. Even if we don't see them, just getting a reference or two or... I mean, they had, at the beginning and end of the season... A few dozen ships. Mm-hmm. How cool would it have been if we had had the equivalent of a roll call kind of a thing? Yeah. At the end of this, if we're gearing for this great unknown to come through this 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 transwarp conduit or whatever, and we see former Ensign Kim, a Voyager, on one of them, we see Tuvok on another. Yeah. We see Miles O'Brien or uh, Commander Norris or, or whomever. Yeah. Just some familiar faces, maybe some some less familiar faces, some of the runner-up characters or whatever on some of these. But it's now 
30 years later, they've come into their own and such. You could have gotten, now granted, we don't have that many conventions going on these days, but you could have set up off a Star Trek convention a place to go shoot. Yeah. Some some quick cameos on a view screen kind of a thing. Fairly uh, doably. Mm-hmm. You know, because if all the people have to do is get into a uniform, into makeup, long enough to shoot a five, ten minutes worth of thing, how many of those actors would have loved to have, have reprised their role ever so briefly? Yeah. And I think there's a way you could have done it cost effectively in terms of their salaries, et cetera, and whatnot. So, but I have no idea, again, how much of this season they're going to discard by the time they get to the next. That's my worry. Is it going to be another 18 months? Are things going to jumble all again? Or is it going to pick up on the heels of this? There's already a sense of time has elapsed and it's not that big of a deal of this new threat because Picard's made it back to Earth, back to the Chateau, and it's as if there's nothing big going on in the universe. Yeah. So I enjoyed what we got. I'm not going to say I overly respect the writing, Mm -hmm. but in terms of the production values, the the set designs, and, and what all they did. Yeah, it was fun. I liked the spin on the Borg. The I, new Borg? The new Borg, yeah. I liked the final Borg queen we ended up with. Well, I, I quibble with the final Borg queen we ended up with terminology in so much as in my mind, there is still potentially the the former Borg. I don't want to say the real Borg. I think there are two factions of Borg now. Well, but that's why I'm saying the one we ended up with on the bridge. Right, right. The final Borg queen we ended up seeing. Yeah, I just don't think that precludes there being the rest of the Borg out there somewhere. I'm not saying she's the only Borg queen. I'm saying she's the final Borg queen we ended up interacting with. I'm just curious what the writers think. Because if they think that is now how the Borg had always been, that invalidates even more the first season. Because the whole post-Borg, all that stuff, that's... Where yeah. I really wonder what they're thinking. But I thought that was an interesting twist on the Borg. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're even going to see the Borg Queen next season or not. I mean, these the Federation that we came back into in the final episode, when we untime traveled, was still afraid of the Borg and still viewed the Borg as an em- enemy. Because they were still fighting him. You're right. You're right. So that implies the other Borg still existed. The new faction, it just, I don't know how they think it plays out. There is a book waiting to happen to, to unravel and explain all of that. Yeah. Christopher L. Bent needs to write it. I mean, he does some great time travel and history of Trek. True. True. Un, you know, unweaving and reweaving the tapestry to make it all make sense. Essentially, books. what happened to Agnes from when she flew off in episode nine of season two to showing up in mm-hmm. the then future present day? Both in episodes one and ten. Yeah. What was that journey? Because, I mean, the Borg Queen that we first see is not the Borg Queen we're interacting with at the end. Because that Borg Queen had not merged with Jurati yet. And that's why I'm saying the final Borg Queen as opposed to the first Borg Queen. I could argue either way on that, depending if they think it's a research and do it time had always been that way. Or if time is actually changing with the... The time travel and such. The Borg Queen we saw that was going to be eradicated. That had no Jurati in her. Uh, you mean the one from the alternate, the Confederation timeline? Yes. Ah, got it, got it. I thought you meant the the one that was attacking them in the ships. No, in no, the, no, Okay. We have a few to pick from. Well, but that's my point. I yeah. think that the non-Jurati Borg Queen had a very different sense of Borg 
than the Jurati'd Borg Queen. Well, I agree with that, and I also think that the Borg Queen we spend most of the season with that takes over Jurati later has a different vantage on things than the equivalent Borg Queen from the Prime Universe would have had, because that was from the Confederation timeline. Mm. Definitely, and I think the more I think about it, the more you're right. Christopher Bennett, who's done a lot of the time travel books beautifully with the Department of Temporal Affairs, mm-hmm. there is a novel waiting for him to write to have the the machinations of these time travels, the impact of the Borg, and all of that clarified and resolved. Yeah, and I I, I think it needs that. And we need the the non resistance is futile catchphrase. Yeah, they missed an opportunity because when Seven was basically telling the comm officer to tell the fleet, don't resist, Yeah, that's when Agnes should have chimed in with that, you know, cooperation is essential sort of a t- uh, catchphrase. Exactly. Yeah. Missed opportunities. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It could have been so much more. Yeah. And I think dealing with Picard's trauma of his, his his mother's death and all of that never seen any hint of that in any of the movies the the series all of this sort of stuff came out of nowhere i don't think it had the emotional impact it could have and should have particularly with an actor like patrick stewart um so again i i don't know what they were thinking on that neither do i so some major missed opportunities and that's that's disappointing i know they're getting a third and final season I hope they do better. I have no reason to expect them to do better. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.